Alright, test your bleeps. Alright. Your bleeps, your sweeps, and your creeps. Alright, so bleeps. Boop. Sweeps. Scooby doo boop. And creeps. I'm coming to kill you. <laughs> Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rabbit. I'm JJ Artimez. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today we're going to be talking about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on the Nintendo Switch, which was released in 2018. I already said it was on the Nintendo Switch, which means it was developed by Sora Limited and published by Nintendo. In conjunction with Namco Bandai. In con- also in conjunction with Namco Bandai, yes. And presumably all other makers of video games that are cute. Yeah, pretty much everyone who's ever worked in the video game industry got, like, a letter. Like, they were like, <laughs> can you disclaim that we can use this character when they when they shit this game out? It does make for a hilarious, like, absolute end of credit scene, though. Because there's always, like, when you're watching a film, like, like two to three normally little, like, trademark R's, like, after all of the actual visualized logo. And this game has, like, literally 30, yeah. which is which is nice. Yeah, it's just, like, a whole bunch of, uh, of things that scroll by. And they have to, like, credit every... Whatever, we'll get back into all this shit. <laughs> the thing that we normally do, and what I want to start with, because I never get to say these two words put together, is that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is a platform fighter. And uh, if you're a fan of fighting games, and you listen to our podcast, which you probably don't, <laughs> we have never fucking talked about a fighting game. Ever. And the one that we choose to talk about is Smash Brothers, which most of the fighting game community is just like, it's not a fighting game. That's a fake fake fighting game that Wait, doesn't actually exist. Really? Is there another thing that the fighting game community is needlessly hostile to? <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Yeah. And it is super sp- I mean not all of them obviously. It's like a subset. Yeah. But like people it's like a common gag to make fun of Super Smash Brothers because of et cetera, et cetera, many reasons. Okay. It's got more of a party game feel to it. That's exactly what they say. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, which is what makes it good. Yeah, we all hate parties, right? Parties yeah. suck. I don't like parties. No, you can't, you can't use parties to like dominate your friends and show that oh, you're better. Oh, you're than not them. talking about the two-party system in American <laughs> politics. Why would why would you jump from parties to two-party system? Because I could I could want like a coalition. I could go for like a European model. <laughs> I was actually mostly just trying to shock you out of this realm of conversation (laughs) so that we can jump back to playing the game. Speaking of jumping, platform fighters are a lot about jumping and aerial motion. Uh, I don't know why this is the thing I'm going to go into, (laughs) uh, but why not? So Smash Brothers as a platform fighting game obviously started back uh, on the 64, and we've had like several iterations. Mm Mm-hmm. Up to this point, this is now the fifth one or sixth if you count the Wii U and the 3DS version of two different versions. I know Sakurai does, but nobody else on the planet does right? Uh, because they essentially function exactly the same. And we did not ever speak about any of those other games on the podcast. Right. And I kind of want to dive into why exactly that was. Because I feel like this was a thing that we brought up very early on. We were like, oh, we should talk about Smash Brothers. Because we've all been pretty consistently playing Smash since we were all born. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think at least the reason why in my own mind was that none of us are really that into fighting games and i feel like 
I don't know, like, you, you get a lot of shit if you try to talk about fighting games. You're not really good at them. Uh, and also, but no one listens to us, so it doesn't matter. But, uh, and also, it was kind of, like, in between installments when we started the podcast. So, I don't know, it didn't feel like the timing was right. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's virtually no demand for an old take on a very very old institution like smash brothers really is among people who like nintendo games uh so when we when you lack expertise and the timing is bad we tend to step off of it even though we probably have thousands of of hours in these games uh but the opportunity has now presented itself with super smash brothers ultimate uh a game that is different yeah uh i would say smash ultimate is fairly significantly different than previous games in the series um but you guys definitely played directly into my hands that was the response that i wanted (laughs) to hear from that question Mm -hmm. because i wanted to kind of treat that as a disclaimer uh because we are not like we're not professional players we also have like very different ideas as to like what makes the game fun and what we like to do in the games. Uh, like just among the three of us, like I think there's a, well, there's probably the biggest difference between myself and Andy. There's a, also a difference between myself and JJ and JJ and Andy. Coin and, battle is good. Coin battles. They took it out though, which so is a disaster. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so that's our disclaimer. We're going to talk about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the fun game that we all play. And we're going to come at it from a lot of different angles. Uh, but do none of us think that anyone is wrong or that like our way is definitively better than everybody else's. And that's not just like a standard subjectivity disclaimer mm-hmm. that it feels like the toxicity of culture has forced literally all like content creators <laughs> and discussions to put somewhere on their channels, even though it's totally unnecessary. Uh, like... This game, the Smash Brothers series, especially considering it's this ultimate and largest evolution, is maybe the most mechanically diverse game I have ever played. It is the amount of like different content and different ways that the game has designed it to allow you to approach the goal of throw a guy off the stage <laughs> is so comically huge that like part of the point is to accommodate the widest variety of possible game styles you can ever allow mm-hmm. with an amount of customizability and like different stage experiences, character experiences and different things to master that's just comical by any other game standard. For sure. And so let's get into that. Because um, that's kind of been like the main discussion around this, right? Like it's huge is the thing everyone talks about with Ultimate. Yeah. And actually I kind of wanted to... So, uh, all right. Stop. Start. We're going to begin with what I think a lot of people, in my opinion, now that I've finished it, uh, kind of mistakenly began with, which is World of Light, which is like the biggest new mode that's been added to the game, uh, is what is basically heavily advertised as being the adventure mode of this game, uh, which has been sort of a kind of a little bit of a tad bit of a staple in the smash brothers games (laughs) since melee so uh 64 had like your one player mode which is become became known as classic mode where it was like any other arcade tower and that's sort of been ported along to every new version they make their own little like 
differences on it. But then Melee had Adventure Mode, which was regular Smash Brothers, but occasionally you did a platforming section. And then uh, the Subspace Emissary and Brawl was previously the biggest thing, and it had like a plot line and cutscenes. And... Yeah, it was like its own game Yeah, within smash brothers i actually before ultimate came out wanted to go back and play subspace emissary uh i couldn't find a brawl disc (laughs) in our we have two cases for brawl on our bookshelf and i opened both of them and just neither of them had a copy of the game in it so i was like well i guess never mind your shelf is disgraceful (laughs) a little bit uh, but, but I looked it up on YouTube, and it's, like, a 10-hour thing. I was going to say, yeah, it's really long. Yeah, I thought I could just, like, do it in an afternoon, but that wouldn't have been possible anyway. Yeah, like, I feel like I, I played it when the game came out and then went back to replay it, like, a year or two later or whatever, and you get to a point where you hit, like, the halfway mark and you think you're, like, done, and then you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Great Maze. <laughs> it's, like, a whole other chunk of the game right. that's, like, fucking huge. Yeah, it's completely absurd. And that's sort of, like, a lot of people's, not a lot of people's, but some people's complaint about Smash 4 was the fact that they kind of backtracked on, on the, the single-player modes. So now we have World of Light, and I'm actually curious how long, because you've, I, I watched you beat it last night, mm-hmm. uh, and you finished it a couple of days ago. Correct. How long did you spend in World of Light, like, by the in-game, like, clock? Just under 40 hours. Okay, yeah, mine was, like, 30 and change, so fairly close to that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember checking, but I would imagine mine's lower because I'm not like a completionist and did not try to get all of everything. Right. So I, but I would guess at at least 25 hours. Mm -hmm. And that is wild that there's like a whole 30 hour experience in this game Mm -hmm. uh, that is mostly just a fighting game. The comparison between World of Light and Subspace Emissary, I think, is really enlightening about the development of Ultimate as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in discussions around Subspace Emissary, the more I see people talk about it, the more I'm convinced that what people actually miss about that mode is not the distinct single-player content, like the moment-to-moment gameplay of Subspace Emissary. What they miss is the cutscenes and the character interaction. Right. Like, they just want to see, like, Pikachu, like, slap Marth on the nose or something because you didn't give him a treat. Yeah. Like, you want the, the silliness made real in front of you. Uh and recognizing that and that nobody like looks back fondly on like killing the generic enemies that you run through in subspace emissary the development team for ultimate went look we have this ludicrously customizable base system here like we can make every item and every character be in all these different kinds of states we have a ludicrous amount of characters we can engage you with so why don't we just use those systems to create unique challenges forever and that's what (laughs) world of light is world of light is the like special brawl but in an infinitely more complex way mix and matching various kind of motifs and rule sets to create something that's evocative of another famous nintendo character mm-hmm. and it turns out literally just like putting up a picture of that character and then showing you that the match afterwards is enough normally for you to make the connection in your mind of like what this is sometimes they even use it for cool jokes which <laughs> is, is good presuming that you're familiar with the character because there were definitely a lot of times when i was like even after finishing the thing i was like I have no idea what this guy's all about. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the pitfall. Mm-hmm. It's mostly the Fire Emblem ones in my experience, because a lot of the simpler characters, like 
like the Mega Man villains. You're like, train man. This train man deals damage when he runs into you like right. a train does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's normally enough to connect with it. But anything where Sadly, it's Sadly, trying... kind of what trains are known for. Yeah. <laughs> it's like locomotion, yes, but like not for a while. Mm-hmm. Suicides, everyone associates with trains. <laughs> I don't... In the modern world, trains have really lost their niche. Like, mm-hmm. you, you no longer think about trains as your go-to way to get things across anywhere, any distance for any reason. Right. Yeah. But I, we can address that on my later train podcast. On the tra- yeah, on train cast. Where, where I mourn the loss of train dignity. <laughs> but, uh, this is two episodes... No, it's not. Sorry. It's an episode and a half in a row where we've talked about trains. So, <laughs> But... I think it was really genius of them because they knew and the development team rightfully discusses it as like some kind of straight up miracle that they managed to get the every single playable character back and like over a hundred playable stages into the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the right area for their focus for this game. So them saving an enormous amount of time by using something they'd already developed to create pretty much all the single player content outside of the bosses was great. I mean, like we got 40 hours of gameplay that I genuinely enjoyed just because of the diversity of it from pretty much nothing but the systems they already had in place and the spirits mode, but we could get to spirits later. Yeah. I mean, it'll probably play into this conversation a little bit. Yeah. Did, did you feel similarly positive, Andy, about uh, World of Light? Yeah. I mean, I think it was maybe a bit too dense. Like, I would get kind of fatigued just fighting things over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I played it in chunks, so I never really got... Like, I didn't try to bulldoze through it, so I had a pretty positive experience with it. Mm-hmm. And um, it is easy as, like, a consumer to be like, oh, I wish they would have had these things that they had in the previous games. I want the coin launcher back. <laughs> <laughs> I want the home run derby. I want this. I want that. Bring target stage builder, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But overall, like, if you had to pick, like, the major things that you would want in uh, in Smash, they that's what they put their attention into. And, yeah, I'm also very happy with it. Yeah. I, I think... Um... Oh, yeah. Also, in defense of blind nostalgia about faceless enemies, I did, like, have a spark of, like, intense happiness when I got the Alloys uh, spirit came up on the spirit board, where you fight just, like, regular fighters, but it's the fighters that the Alloys are based off of, so you, like, have a Falcon, Peach, Mario, Jigglypuff, and Kirby. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this is great. Like, I was just, like, having a blast, feeling like I was playing Brawl again. But that was about uh, it. For the, like, just blind nostalgia. I think, overall, I actually come across more negative than both of you on World of Light, which is good. I'm really glad that both of you enjoyed it a lot. But I did find that, like, for my enjoyment of Smash Brothers overall, that World of Light was too much of sort of the fiddly spirits matching than the, like, fundamental Smash Brothers gameplay that I kind of come for. So even ones that were, like, difficult or even ones that were just sort of fun are probably the highlights of it. And there are a lot of things sort of in the middle that were, I just pick something that has a higher number than their thing, and then I hit them a bunch, and then I move on to the next one. It felt a little bit, like, mindless, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it didn't stop me from enjoying the game, it's just, like, there were downtime moments in, like, something that I felt like should have been, like, exciting for each one. 
Yeah, I just, I think it comes down to the fact that there's just so much in it. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like they could cut the entire first half and just have, like, the Dark World part. Because right. I felt like that was, like, the part that I remember the most. It was way more, like, narratively tied. No, I don't mean, like, to an overarching narrative. I mean, like, in describing the locations that you are. Like, there's a narrative arc to you, like, getting to the Zelda location and, yeah. like, getting all of the pieces to the Triforce and then going to fight Ganon in a way that really didn't exist to nearly the same extent in the overworld. Right. The overworld was literally just kind of a hodgepodge, and that was easily, like, the grindiest part of the game, as you described. Yeah. I, I recognize that, too, Chad, uh, and I just turned the game on hard. And once I turned right. the game on hard, I, I actually started to have to engage more with like the strategy and the unique upsides and downsides of all of the characters. Uh, it also got my ass handed to me a little bit more than I would prefer on a single player mode of any kind, but you know, my choice, I, I would rather it be difficult, but strategically engaging than kind of the bulldozy mode that it really could have been with the rock, paper, scissors mechanic. There was actually, I was a, it's uh, like a shortcut to victory. It is like, a shortcut. <laughs> they uh, I think they introduced it, that idea, like on a fire emblem character, at least in the route that I went. Yeah. And I was like, really excited about it like mm -hmm. i was like it's it's a shortcut to victory <laughs> <laughs> as i unlocked marth and played as marth uh but anyway i really really like the fact that you can change the difficulty just at will yeah. without without worrying about it because there were some of these that i easily was able to beat on hard and then there were other ones that were like nope super not <laughs> able to beat on hard i beat all of the main spirits on at least normal difficulty. Mm -hmm. The final boss I finished on normal, and then there's an achievement for doing the whole final boss thing without dying, yeah. and I did it on easy. And let me tell you, easy is not just something they call your mom. Like, it is a fucking... It is a cakewalk. Like, it was the <laughs> simplest thing. I beat the entire thing with just ice climbers, and just never... It was not a challenge at all. Mm. So... I'm glad they implemented it. I'm glad that you can like kind of choose what level of, of difficulty you want to go with at any time. Because yeah. uh, there are some things, like if I had locked it on hard when I started, nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, especially in a lot of the recent online discussion, there are a couple of the spirit fights in the game that are just broadly considered straight up design mistakes that are just like so awful. I don't know. I, you may not, you've probably just in terms of how you engaged with this game, Andy probably just left them and didn't beat them. Uh, nine volt and 18 volt. And uh, the one where peach is running away from you and, and yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely left nine volt. I don't remember the nine volt fight, which makes me think it that was I in like the metal gear. Yeah. Like, uh, where you press place. the buttons on the terminals to open up locations, like the very first boss area you go to if you go Marth's route. Um, oh, it's, it's, like, it's in the Shadow Moses section. Yeah, yeah you need Otacon to get into the right, facility. Right. There's an electrified floor that you have to get deal with, and uh, a, one of those like 8-bit cowboys that are yellow that shoot bullets at you constantly. Oh, yeah. And you're I, against Incineroar and like, I think Pikachu or some other electric child. I, I actually remember. don't think that I even failed on that one. But the one that I had trouble with in that same area was Dr. Wily. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I think that was just hard because it was... Well, actually, no. It's hard because fighting more than one Mega Man is like a, a disaster. <laughs> like, I don't know why it's a thing that they allow to have happen. They should delete... Me hashtag delete Mega Man. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay. Pause. <laughs> 
you this is not the first time uh cast listeners that chat has expressed just straight up dunking on Mega Man consistently what is your Mega Man problem in these games it, well I I have an issue with Mega Man no I don't have it like I don't take a severe issue with Mega Man yeah but like I don't I don't have any nostalgia for Mega Man like I did play the first two games uh they're just like games whatever yeah i don't like mega man in uh in smash like i just don't enjoy his play style very much mm-hmm. even though i like zoners we'll get into this like way 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 in the future but pl- fighting against multiple mega man in uh like a spirits battle or something is fu- it's just like a wall of things that cause you to stop moving <laughs> yeah he does have a lot of moves that like give you hits done mm-hmm yeah, I don't it's just like, like it. spanning the leaf shield. <laughs> and <you're just> like, <laughs> the metal blade. Uh, uh. Ooh. Okay, I just wanted to clear that up. Oh, yeah. And also, just so we can keep harping on Mega Man for any Mega Man fans, agree with you. <laughs> Mega Man is like the video game, maybe the most generic video game I could come up with if just like tasked <laughs> like on a oh, moment. I don't think that's being fair to Mega Man. <laughs> it probably isn't, but no. hey, they're not here to defend themselves. I so guess. I'm, I'm, I'm the, what, the Mega Man? <laughs> the Mega Man. I, I would put it above Sonic in my book. <laughs> Sonic at least tries to be edgy in a, like a horrible failed way. Like there's a story about I, that Sonic. That makes it worse <laughs> in, my, in my mind. It's a sad story, the story of Sonic, but it's still a story. It's a Greek tragedy. The story of Mega Man is like, there are Mega Man, and they stop robots. And that's like... It's, it's, al- just, it's just good, pure video game fun. Yeah. Which Mega- I guess is your point, but yeah. I would put that above Sonic. Yeah. yeah but but- it's a five, is <laughs> what it is. It's the fivest five I'm aware of. What's weird is that, uh, like this conversation is somehow relevant because both <laughs> Sonic and Mega Man are in this game. Yeah, you, it's going to be so hard for you to keep us from going wildly off topic when this game has literally all topics like nested within it. Right, yeah. Uh, I could literally talk about the plot of Sacred Stones right now and it would still be relevant because <laughs> there's a spirit fight about it. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. Um, oh, but yeah, no, I don't think anybody's arguing that the Pauline fight is just fucking stupid. <laughs> I heard that, like, a good way of taking that fight on is to just start with the staff item. It is, because that's how I beat it. I just kept restarting it over and over again until she eventually just died incidentally. Is it just AI mistake? Yeah, like, because that will just occasionally happen. Yep. I was playing as Captain Falcon at the time, and I'm, like, oh. very stubborn about, like, changing characters like, after I've started a thing. I'm yeah. just like, I can beat this. <laughs> and I just didn't for a long time so as captain falcon i just kind of like jumped around on the left side of the screen until she fell off yeah one that gave me a lot of trouble was it was in the donkey kong world there was one where you're fighting i think just donkey and diddy kong and but bullet bills spawn like every five seconds it's donkey kong diddy kong and captain falcon oh yeah yeah weird and like God damn it, that one's hard. I ended up beating it by just hanging on the ledge, and mm-hmm. then they, they killed themselves. <laughs> yeah, you just have to have <laughs> yeah. invisibility. And to be clear about your earlier point, Chad, about war, like being stubborn and wanting to keep playing Captain Falcon in the worst possible scenario for <laughs> but, Captain Falcon, yeah. I do actually think that is like an important design consideration for the single-player mode, because p- part of what Smash Brothers tries to promote in all of its players is like latching on to a particular identity or a particular character that represents you to as much of a strong extent as tons of other character-based fighting games. Mm-hmm. So like you don't want to have to make it the guy who's like, oh man, I love Peach, like have to switch off Peach. So you want him to keep doing that so he can feel like 
he and the character he invests in manage to make that accomplishment instead of feeling like it's a rock, paper, scissors thing where, like, the thing that you care about cannot win by design in this system. Right. You don't want these things to feel like they have weaknesses. You want you to feel like you're awesome all the time at everything, even when that's not really true. Yeah. So I, I do have to, like, I commend any, like, lightweight or floaty character mains out there if they made it through the entirety of this game, like, using those characters. Because a lot of AI fights in this game, I feel like, are, like, maybe it's just they're easier, and that's why I kind of associate it with this. But, like, a lot of the time, if I'm having trouble with anything, I just, like, switch to Ike or K. Rule, like, a heavy character, because you just last forever and can, like, kind of cheese people off the side with just, like, landing a smash yeah. attack or something. I would do that in Smash 4 on any mm-hmm. of, like, the, like, endless brawl or any of those challenges where you need to, like, live a long time. I would just switch to Charizard and right. just, like, down smash all the time. <laughs> After, like... Well, uh, when did Melee come out? 2001? Something like that. I think. Oh, God. So after, like, maybe. 17 years of treating Jigglypuff as, like, a tertiary, I feel like I might actually start, like, mating Jigglypuff based on my experience in this game for whatever reason. Because uh, I beat so much of World of Light with Jigglypuff. Like... 99% of, of things that I had any issue with, switching to Jigglypuff just, like, did it for me. Uh, I don't really know why. I beat the final boss with Jigglypuff. Like, it was, it was what, Jigglypuff, Simon, K. Rule were my, was my team. It's a really embarrassing uh, thing to be beaten by as, like, a god of light. Just, like, a small pink Pokemon yeah, with it's... glossy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyone who just made it through like some of the like team fights and shit with like a Jigglypuff for it, <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah, but but I I, I think to, uh, one last thing I want to touch on within World of Light itself before we move on to the infinite other systems this game contains <laughs> uh, is I think the, the genuine quality of the boss fights, especially the, the ending sequences. Uh, like I said, they were. They tried really hard to conserve their resources, so pretty much the only things they designed unique content for were some of the bosses, and even a lot of those are straight ported over from prior games, or just assist trophies that with some specialized circumstances yeah. um, that come up. But, like, I thought the ending to this to this mode was, like, genuinely great. I loved the, like, secret play as the master hand thing. Yeah. Really good. I yeah. was not spoiled on that, and I'm so happy because, Me like, it was, it was real good. Same. Yeah, I I agree that like mechanically the ending was really good, but I thought it was really weird how it it just didn't really have an ending. Oh like, yeah, the, story wise, they, they didn't yeah. wrap up what happens to no. the endless stream of <laughs> souls. Like, they start uh, with that opening cutscene with all the characters, but then it ends and it's just like all the spirits flying into the sky and the song plays, yeah. and that's it. And the song plays <laughs> forever. Yeah, like I remember we. Uh, like, when I finished the game for the first time, because I've now beaten this fucking game, like, three times, uh, the, like, we literally sat there at the end credits yeah, sequence I was watching. and just cackled. Like, when you mentioned how <laughs> good the game ended, like, we, like, shared a look there, because the, we were, like, laughing real hard about how, like, the credit sequence is just really bad, and I don't know why. Like, there's so many things they could have done. Even just, like, not repeatedly showing a vortex of souls well, leaving the planet. They literally, like, it plays out, 
and then it like cuts to something else. I don't remember what it is. Maybe just credits. Right. And then it cuts back to the exact same footage <laughs> of like the spirits flying into the sky. It's just like, man, they really slapped this together. Yeah. Like they just didn't have it in the budget, or they didn't have the time to make more. Yeah, I feel like the correct way of doing this would have just been to have played the entire cutscene. Which obviously there's just one cohesive scene in there that mm-hmm. probably would have lasted for about a minute. Yep. And then played the credits. And then nobody would have thought it was weird. But we were just sitting there going, like, why was this edited together this way? <laughs> yeah, like, you sent us a text, like, however many days ago when you beat it. And you were like, I lo- loved the end of World of Light. And I was like, are you joking? <laughs> like, but then I was like, oh, no, he means, like, mechanically. Yeah, yeah this is no narrative to any of this. No, but like, I just, that's just what I thought when you said that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I think they were trying to be, like, somewhat artsy. Because I'm almost certain that the actual song, that the, the theme of the game is literally just describing the end that sequence it, of it, the game. It is, but... I don't want to give them that much credit. I, it definitely <laughs> feels like they didn't have enough time to end it the way they wanted. Yeah, they didn't have another hilarious <laughs> sequence like they did for the opening yeah. trailer. Well, and another thing while we're on this is um, all like the character reveal trailers, mm-hmm. I feel like they should have like worked those into the story mode. Yeah. somehow they would have required a lot more story to actually be in there but like those well, I don't scenes even think it all, necessarily would those scenes all feel like they're taken out of a story mode right. like like the ridley introduction where it's like mario mega man and samus like going through like a the kylo ren bridge <laughs> um <laughs> That that straight up feels like a scene from Subspace Emissary. And same yeah. thing with like Luigi in the Castlevania Castle. Well, see, because that's the thing. Like, I feel like uh, the way that because it could have been. I don't think there would have necessarily needed to be more plot. They just could have like put Luigi's unlock in, in the, the Castlevania castle. thing. Yeah, play the cutscene when you go to unlock him, and then yeah, and then you do. That that's all it thing. has to happen. Yeah, because that would have just worked. And yeah, I kind of like. I got the sense that that would be the case from those trailers, and then was a little bit sad when they weren't. But mm-hmm. it's hard to stay sad about this game. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, just a, it's a nitpick. <laughs> the one other like little uh, gripe that I had, and the reason that I started thirty minutes ago by saying I think people mistakenly start with World of Light, is that World of Light presents what is definitely the most organic and most fun version of the character unlock sequence. Yeah. But it takes 30 hours. Like, you don't get all the characters through World of Light unless you get everything, and getting everything and finishing the game takes 30 hours to do. There are characters on the final board, like, to unlock still. And while a lot of them are, like, Echo Fighters, it's still, like, you just won't finish it. In, in a good amount of time, and if you have 30 hours of time to play Super Smash Brothers before even one dude you know calls you up and is like, let's play Smash Brothers, <laughs> then you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they intend you to, like, switch modes, mm-hmm. like, which is what ended up happening for me, where I would, like, play World of Light for a little while, back out of it, and then when you do that, you get a 
challenger approaching thing and then i'd go and i'd like play classic mode and then you know unlock somebody else and i think they wanted it to happen that way but yeah that's usually not the way people are they're gonna start the story (laughs) mode and then want to finish it so yeah because that's what happened like we when we first got the game i ended up playing like 15 hours of world of light and then like you came over, like, JJ came to the apartment and was like, let's play Smash Brothers, and I'm just like, oh, gee, I only have, like, 20 characters of 74. Like, I don't know what to do about this. So I just, like, kind of grinded out the rest of them, like, in a night. Yeah, like, you started playing, I went to bed, because I had to work the next day, (laughs) and you were still playing when I woke up in the morning. I was still playing until about 2 in the afternoon. Yeah, so you were really dedicated. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think it's a slight design mistake, as described earlier, to spread out the unlocks of all characters over the totality of the sequence. Mm -hmm. Because of how much people identify with characters, you can just coincidentally have... It's actually kind of likely for, like, every single main that you want to play, like, three or even four different characters, to just be gated behind the dark mode. Right. Especially the very end of the dark mode. Like, can you imagine, like, if you cared about playing as Roy? Like, that would be so sad. (laughs) I, I actually was playing Roy. Like, Roy's, like one of my, like, better characters in this game. One of your boys. Well, he, Roy's one of my boys. And, uh... Sweet baby Roy. My sweet baby Roy. <laughs> well, it's sweet baby Crom now, but we'll get into that later. Uh, and so, yeah, like, that would suck. But I do actually appreciate the fact that the original, like, the choice they give you between it's, what, Marth, Villager, and who? Link? No, it's not Link. No, Link is... In a different place. Man, I don't remember. None of... Oh, Sheik. Sheik. Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. Are actually, that's actually a good balance of, like, play styles that mm-hmm. you can choose. And even though I played Villager, like, exclusively in 4, I decided to go with Marth in this one just because, like, variety and all that. And I was shocked at how long it was until I got another character. Yep. So, I played a lot of the early parts of this game with just, like, Marth and Mario, and that was it. Okay. Uh, it's a kind of wrap back on an earlier comment how much did you guys like the spirit system first just in the single player mode uh i don't know i have kind of mixed feelings about it um if they didn't have the auto select and assign mode i think i would hate it agreed because there's so many of them yep and a lot of them do the same thing yeah um but as it is I just always used the auto options and leveled up the ones I liked the most, and it was fine. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't especially like it. I didn't not like it. Uh, I it have... made it more fun than it would have been just fighting dudes over and over, so... Yeah, no, I, I, I do like the fact that they... The amount of effort that was clearly put into making the fights feel unique, uh, I appreciate that a whole lot. Overall, like, my biggest issue that I have with the spirits as a concept... And this is because I'm a child and I like my capsule machine toys. Yeah. But, like, the fact that they don't just have, like, a blurb attached to them at all. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, this is, he's from this game, which released in this year, and is an RPG, and et cetera, and that's it. Like, that's all I really wanted. Like, I didn't need, like, a whole thing, like, the trophy descriptions in the previous games. But just, like, 
a little bit of information that's like easily available. Yeah, that's totally fair in my mind because honestly, those trophies, especially in the earlier Smash games, went a long way to introducing tons and tons of people to new diverse series. Mm -hmm. And having those lore blurbs can let you kind of connect more with an individual character. It can kind of pique your curiosity before going into those games. And if these spirits are supposed to be like our trophy replacement, that really doesn't still fulfill that narrative utility like i'm just if i was curious about something that went on in xenoblade like i i can't learn more about it in smash brothers yeah you have to like google it mm -hmm. yeah i i think i prefer that honestly like i don't i don't feel like smash brothers should be the place where you get that information <laughs> like i think it should just dangle the lore in front of you and if you are curious you can go find out for yourself i agree but i think that one sentence is the bait on the end of that dangled lore hook yeah like i don't have any reason to care enough to look up like all the various side characters from xenoblade because i don't know anything about them there's just like a guy in leather armor you right. say he's bringing up xenoblade right now <laughs> and not like clearly the number one offender which is fire emblem <laughs> And the okay. absurd number amount of Fire Emblem representation <laughs> in Smash Bros. I clearly can't relate to Fire Emblem alienation, <laughs> yeah. obviously. I would like to uh, do the inevitable disclaimer that despite being an enormous fan of the series, despite it being my favorite video game series, there is comically too many Fire Emblem characters in Smash Brothers to a huge extent. They literally one third at this point should be in there. Freaking, you're going to play Krom, who shouldn't be in I this know, game. Right? Daniel's <laughs> going to play Fate's bullshit, horrible person who Corrin. shouldn't be in this game. I, was, I'm just, I love Corrin. You guys are going to remind me so often about there being too many. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing, like, because I don't begrudge the amount of Fire Emblem characters in this game because I've evolved past the point of... I say that like it fucking matters. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I'm, I'm definitely past the point of being, like, oh, this game has too much representation. This game doesn't have enough representation. We've been given a roster that is, like, actually the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. True. And, like... Ridley and K. Rule got in, so like I'm not allowed to complain anymore. Like I got <laughs> yeah. a letter from the government. Yeah, uh, it really does feel like they smoothed everything over. Like there are still too many Fire Emblem characters, mm -hmm. but all the other weak spots were filled in, so you don't really notice anymore. Yeah, like Metroid it, yeah. and Donkey Kong were underrepresented, mm -hmm. and now they're not. Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't so feel. Arguably, it but... doesn't feel so. No, nah, I mean, it would be hard to pick Donkey another one. Diddy Obviously, and, Dixie uh, is one that like people talk about, right. but. We should actually just dedicate a whole section of discussion to the roster, which we can yeah, do yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, fairly yeah, soon. Yeah. But Literally, only Daniel's going to care about this comparison, but the roster is now good from like a Rawlsian perspective. Like Every <laughs> single one of the various series have like the maximum like amount to be like an acceptable amount of representation now, but mm -hmm. that doesn't make them like balanced. Like right. There are tons and tons of series that have way more than they need to. Uh, and the thing, the reason why I personally have such like an aggressive, like you're putting too many Fire Emblem characters in this game, old man perspective is because it's actively making lots of people hate the series I preemptively <laughs> and not try it. Uh, and that combined with, I think the like diminished quality of what is the most marketed one in history fates mm -hmm. uh, is like actively, I think turning things in a bad, bad direction. And I, I, like, sympathize and appreciate, like, your position on it. However, I did have a moment of just, like, pure, like, Schadenfreuden <laughs> joy when I turned on my Switch a couple of days ago, and it was, like, Fire Emblem Fest Part 1. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> 
I was like, no, this seems appropriate given, yeah. Of, of the seven-part series, <laughs> with the final book being seven part one and seven part, part two. two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that Fire Emblem Fest, I will have a natural way to go from this into the next point, uh, is related to uh, what they're doing, which are like these, because I guess every game has to have a timed event thing now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're doing timed events on the spirit board, which gives you extra rewards if you do, if you match a particular, the two that have existed so far, not a huge like thing to draw from, are like spirits with glasses and spirits from Fire Emblem. Uh, And... Which I'm only mentioning because I could not care about this even a little bit. Is just to be like, they tried to pull the spirits out of World of Light and put them into other elements of the game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they just do not belong there. Why? It's just, it's a, it's like a fucking, what, what the fuck? Equipment? It's like a fucking what the fuck equipment. It was trying to remember what the name of the mechanic was because no one engaged with it. The equipment in Smash Brothers... Four. Yeah. Oh, the customizable move set. Yeah. Thing? Well, the custom move sets, I think, is actually a different in, in a different category. Mm-hmm. It was the things that you would be like, "It's a cool hat. Put the cool hat on Ness, and now he moves faster." Like God, that. I don't even thing. fucking remember that. I engaged with that, and I am the market for this. And okay. If, if this is a great point, because I really want you to describe for me why you like the custom moves but dislike the custom equipment. Well, because the I feel like this. Should be obvious, but maybe I'm I'm too much in my own head about this. Yes. Uh, I don't like the custom equipment for the reason that it's like you take a thing and then you make what are range from barely noticeable changes to them to absurd, like totally out there changes, but make them like very obviously weak in other ways. Mm-hmm. So you're really fucking with like the general balancing of the fighting game. Yes. And while I think that works totally fine in a single player mode, like the spirits do in World of Light, I think that overall, like like I would not ever want to be like, let me put my weird numbers against your weird numbers in a multiplayer game where now the numbers matter in addition to the skill and in addition to the random rolls. So it's like, I feel like if I sat down, if I wanted to, big quotes, settle it in Smash TM (laughs) (laughs) with you, JJ, and then we sat down and played a game of Smash Brothers for Wii U that had equipment on, at the end I would be like, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> who, who is right or wrong. Okay. I, we were unable to settle it in Smash. There's insufficient <laughs> evidence. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way, but I also don't like the customizable movesets either. Because I feel like when you're playing a fighting game, when it's just like multiplayer, if you're fighting someone who's playing like Pikachu or whatever... You expect Pikachu to play like Pikachu, right? And then when they have a bunch of these variations on moves, it almost it just like I feel like you shouldn't mess with that like core balance of the experience. It should be like these are the fighters, these are how they control. That doesn't get messed with. You guys are both completely right. This is exactly the, the answer that I was hoping you would describe. Thank you for listening to Uh, Nope. What are we talking about next? (laughs) Every episode. (laughs) It's because 
the value of this system, of all these equipment systems and customizability systems they keep trying to force people to engage with in this game are 100% in opposition to fighting game skill testing values. They are not here to allow you to better like test your mechanical reflexibility and your mastery and knowledge of the systems. They are there as agents of chaos and personal expression and nothing else. That sure. is, And that is the reason why I have always loved with them and engaged them and the reason why almost everyone you will ever talk to online will always hate them. Because, <laughs> if, because disproportionately when you talk to people online about a fighting game, <laughs> they're going to want to engage with this fighting game as a way to get better at it or as a way to show that they are cool. And spirits are, are not a way to show that they are cool. They are a way to show that you had an idea that you were trying to express. It is exactly like creating magic decks in my perspective. I think a fighting game normally would not be about or even want you to necessarily care about that kind of customizability. See, I, see I'm not somebody... Like, I love... I, I play with items on always. Yes. And I like the random chaos, wacky bullshit from items... But I, I like that because it's like a layer on top. Yeah. I don't like the idea of changing the way the characters themselves control. There's like I don't know. It's like a it's a it's even more complicated. Right. Than just I want to take it seriously and I don't. Right. Right. But there's a point on the spectrum you realize, yeah. right? Because every competitive person is like fuck items. Right. Like right. like for, because of the <laughs> random elements they involve. The more I play Smash Brothers, and I literally have been playing since like 1996 when the game came out. Fuck items because <laughs> they don't. It doesn't change the way that the characters individually play. It makes every character not matter anymore. Like, it's everyone is just a body that explodes and flies off the side, and nobody knows why or how it happened. <laughs> that like, that I seems a bit extreme, It Chad. is a little bit extreme. But That's like, a lot extreme. I feel like you, in order to engage with, a ga with the game with items, especially with items on, like, high or whatever, mm -hmm. is just, like, who is the better person at identifying important good items and going to get them and use them before everyone else? Like, your character's moveset? matters very little but this is why because this can be its own thing mm -hmm. that we talk about yes i think to segue it a little bit i think that th that's kind of the reason why i like custom moves but don't like the other ways of doing it uh like uh, of changing the the base gameplay why i don't like items and why i don't like equipment the custom moves just give like kind of a spice onto it because yeah. most of the custom moves in four weren't significant departures with the exception of like the me fighters and palatina who were like designed around the idea of like having interchangeable moves yeah uh it it, it was like pikachu's up b now does more damage but you can only zip once like stuff like that yeah where it was like just a little bit enough of a change and some of them were broken but like if you're playing with custom moves who really cares <laughs> uh and so you could still do the same kind of thing but like maybe you'll like pull out a wild card right but to us, that change is really meager. The difference between Pikachu being able... Like, the, the distance Pikachu goes on one of his flashes on his up B. Like, I will never care about that, despite the fact that I'll play this game for 20 years. But, like, that's, a, that's an absurd difference to anyone who's trying to play this game at a truly competitive level, right? Like, that completely throws off any kind of predictability that you have for the characters, even more so than lots of the other, like, items can in a particular scenario. 
I, I mean, that's why customs were uh, are off in tournament rules, and in four anyway, right. uh, the Mii fighters were locked to one 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 right. one. So, so here's a good, I think, explanation of a circumstance where I think it makes the value of that kind of spirit system and customizability clear. Mm-hmm. I think we would be ridiculous not to allow those spirit systems in our custom me fights. When we train our like our, like me fighters. Mm-hmm. I think not only amiibos? not only should we do that, yeah, it should be like amiibos? required for like the little amiibo fights. Well, uh, well, I don't necessarily agree, but the only reason I don't agree with you because obviously custom amiibo fights. I don't think anybody's like, well actually, I'm full of shit. There's an entire yep. community of people who are, who hold Amiibo tournaments. I found this and it's awesome. Yeah, so they're currently... I actually <laughs> read up on this rule set. Uh-huh. They're, they're currently not allowing uh, spirits because it's just... It's too unpredictable and they're still trying to learn how the AI learns. Right. But they will definitely allow them in the future. The reason that I didn't do it... Now I'm explaining why what I'm doing in four hours from now casually <laughs> in the company of friends on a podcast. Uh, the reason I didn't do it is because I feel like... Like, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I didn't know if anyone else would have done it. Uh, yep. It's a real easy thing to remedy. I just go, like, uh, here, eat Metal Face, and then <laughs> we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, yeah, fair. Every, we're, we're in a testing phase right now, mm-hmm. but the reason why I feel like that's, that example is so emblematic of the value of the spirit system is because when you're using these, like, trained AI amiibos, it is completely divorced from your skill or trying to, like, compare one another to you, except for, like, Maybe if you're, like, the better coach in the way that, like, stepdads get competitive about kids who played soccer and sports and shit. But, like, the, you, it divorces you. I'm so- 100% going to be that guy, by the way. <laughs> I just want you to know. Good. <laughs> but, like, it divorces things enough from your skill that I think it shows the value of literally trying to, like, raise a specialized thing. And think of how, like, hilarious it'll be if we find some kind of, like, crazy combination because the possibility space is so wide, even though it's... You're limited in the number of... Uh, differences you can create on a particular character Mm -hmm. but the amount of things you can pull from for that small set is fucking enormous yeah so so like i said it feels like magic to me especially when you're playing it with amiibos because (laughs) the possibility space is so wide right and that and that excites me deeply and while i'll have to come to terms with how wrong all of you guys are about the way that you play Smash Brothers uh, <laughs> and your hatred of coin battle and time to battle and your use of stock and multiplayer and other bad things. I agree with you on the stock thing, but also I feel like the... Let's take a break. <laughs> and then when we come back, let's talk about Super Smash Brothers multiplayer, literally the most, like... <laughs> iconic and important part of this video game that we spent 45 minutes not talking about. And it's time for our first no-clip cliffhanger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we come previously on (laughs) no-clip. Welcome back to the podcast. Woo! Uh, So, we spent a long time talking about, like, playing Smash Brothers without friends. Let's talk about <laughs> playing Smash Brothers with your friends. Mm-hmm. Um, whew, okay. You throw them off of the ledge. <laughs> the, the, well, thank you for listening. Two in one episode. <laughs> uh, now, okay, so actually, the reason that platform fighters, as like a subgenre of fighting game, work so well in the context of like a fun time party game and the way that this in the way that Smash is designed, has a lot to do with the fact that it is sort of like an inherently chaotic thing to do. 
and they've made a shitload of mechanical changes that are like ranging from very minor to like kind of massive between each iteration of the game. But for the most part, you are a character. You can usually you can jump at least twice. You have a recovery move, and you have to use these to prevent yourself from falling so far out of the line of sight of the camera that you explode into a million pieces. Right. Uh, and you never hear people actually talk about like the merits of the base design of Smash Brothers, which I think is a huge gap because everyone takes it for granted in the way that you take for granted like base FPS mechanics, things like that. But for a long time, honestly, until probably the last five years, ten. Out of, when did All Stars Battle Royale came out? Like oh, six, God. seven years ago, something like that. I think I it was, think like it was a, more than that. It was like a yeah. Vita game. But like until that game came out, it was so weird that absolutely nobody tried to compete in the platform designer space, or at least tried to compete with enough success to us to even hear about it, which right. is crazy in terms of dominance. Most mechanics and games these days get kind of harvested and spread around the industry really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And maybe they had a copyright or something, but that's mostly speculation. It would have been part. a patent, but yeah. Like, you know what I mean. Whatever. <laughs> Laws. <laughs> uh, it might be because fighting like fighting games already have their own established kind of mechanic set already, and Smash is different from that. Yeah, and an incredibly dedicated community. Yeah. And that's kind of, I think, where the... This is where the the line gets drawn, and the reason why I think like platform fighters didn't take off as like its own subgenre until very recently, is because of how dedicated fighting game communities are to the one on one standard arenas, uh, like that kind of a, a thing, like the the fighting game style. Stubborn, stubborn so- <laughs> and resistant to change, and is that unwilling to accept diversity in gameplay styles or really anything in life? Is that what you mean? I, I don't even want to say that, like, not especially not like overarching, you know, because it's not necessarily that they would become outwardly upset if some, if there was like a change to it. Like, compare, for example, uh, Street Fighter and. Marvel versus Capcom. Mm-hmm. Like, they are two very, very different games that are in the same genre and have some of the same genre trappings, but are inc- play like totally differently. Street Fighter is a much more slow and methodical game, and Marvel versus Capcom is like a very quick and like, and they're both combo centric, but neither of them are uh, like, you wouldn't, you, like, one person's skill in Street Fighter wouldn't necessarily translate to that. So I feel like platform fighters almost could have been there. Could have, but just barely, with, like, just a little bit too different. Um, because we didn't have any, like, very serious examples of them until... No. Well, until Melee, I guess. Yeah, until people made it serious and found lots of secrets and, like, cool stuff about it that ended up being... Almost, I think, kind of coincidentally amenable to the design. I assume there's been many of, like, documentaries and things about it. How can there not have been with Melee success? But... There's an incredibly long yeah. and detailed documentary called The Smash Brothers that I do recommend to, like, anybody who's interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is it is nitty and gritty. Indeed. And... <laughs> and, and to get deep in that muck, I've always been curious whether some of the inclusions that really made early melee play so deep were intentional or not in in smash brothers design like was wave dashing intended no the the understanding that i have of it is that a lot of the things that make that like a lot of the tech that you have to learn to play melee is a lot of things that are unintentional which is why smash ultimate is such a 
in my eyes, is is like the developers really trying to appeal to every Smash Brothers player mm-hmm. because there's melee tech in this game that does that is definitely very different than the way that it's executed in melee. Yes, and is obvious intentional design. Yeah, executed isn't even the right word. Tech was like coincidentally present in Melee mm-hmm. and now it is executed. Like yeah. it is now a thing that they wanted to put in that people are trying to discover, which right. is an interesting new challenge especially from a developer's perspective to finally like wholly and welcomely incorporate this audience that they may not have tried to, which I do think is a good move. Like like as as much as I joke about fighting game communities like this is one of the things that Smash Brothers is known for tremendously, mm-hmm. and allowing people to not play on CRT televisions is probably a good thing. <laughs> right. the, the barrier to entry to become like a melee player is like becoming comically expensive now <laughs> because like you can't really play melee competitively without a CRT to some extent and like there's even like some like weird controller things that people have where like there was a defect in some controllers that allow you to like backdash faster which is <laughs> which I like learned about this like a month ago Jesus. and I was like this has been a thing for 11 years or more yeah. that this was a known quantity and that's just wild to me agreed but to, to extricate ourselves from these really interesting and colorful weeds uh refocusing on what makes platform fighting design good for its own intended purposes mm-hmm. number of things platform fighters are specifically designed and iterated for multiplayer because they take up a whole lot more screen real estate and and because winning is all about moving your opponent by force mm-hmm. uh is designed to create a whole lot more variability in and literally just where you are on screen at any given time you could be flung in a bunch of different directions and you're constantly trying to move in different ways in contrast to the more very focused experience of a fighting game where it's more about prediction obviously these are incorporated here too the point is that when they were first coming up with the idea of a platform fighter the idea was to create a game that could accommodate more players on screen at once, meaning each character had to take up less screen real estate than you would in a conventional fighting game, and you wanted to create more valuability moment to moment. So they came up with the idea, presumably, of throwing you around different directions, both because it's comical, less violent than what's interpreted in most fighting games in the first place, so you Mm -hmm. can throw Nintendo characters into it and still have it be kind of funny and comical and not like, ooh, that's a knife. Uh, (laughs) uh, and when all of these characters, it's a very, it's a lot of levity that's been brought to the circumstance. And when you are fighting moment to moment, it makes you have more move diversity. I guess not really necessarily more, uh, but the kind of diversity that comes into play is a diversity about trading off damage and speed against the distance that characters get thrown. And uh, it's an interesting dynamic that I don't really see represented in a lot of other places. There's like strong moves, you know, fast move. It's like a standard of fighting games since the end of time in terms of that kind of time trade-off. But I really love the way that the core gameplay is designed to create variability in a way that a lot of people don't recognize, I think, or aren't one to accept. Yep. I think it feels very Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you can jump almost feels like it might have been a thing that they came up with yeah. because Mario's in it. 
Um, and the percentages too. I don't think you touched on that at all. Like, does any other game, like fighting game, really work with a system anywhere close to that? Not before Smash. Yeah, like, that like wasn't I think thing. that's one of my favorite things about it. Yeah. It just it feels weirdly intuitive, even though I don't think anyone else would have ever come up with that <laughs> other than Sakurai. And the percentages are like a randomizing element too, right? Because they yeah. change how your character reacts to things that are incorporated in the environment. They do mm-hmm. it in a predictable way, but in a highly, highly granular way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 you're, a, a move can launch you further now. Like it does a completely different thing. And that's in itself kind of like a little bit hostile to that kind of fighting game aesthetic because it, it's another layer of something that you have to constantly calculate these minute differences to yeah. in order to predict what's going to happen. That's why people describe like things in just like tr- kind of trying to wrap that all together. Like people d- describe moves in Smash Brothers as, as like in definitionally as to like what are they true combo into versus like what is uh, like a kill move right mm-hmm. so in, in smash brothers because of the percentage system like you can say like oh well this confirms into this other thing and in a and kills off the top at 120 or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. whereas like in a traditional fighting game you could say that somebody like this knocks somebody down but that puts them into like a state like it's like an established thing that you don't really have to consider beyond what it means for the game yeah whereas like in smash brothers it's just like because of this you have to adapt for like this amount of additional knockback and like you have to react and you have to so it's like more of a free form combat than it is in a, a fighting game, which is more rigid. Yeah, like it doesn't have an emphasis on combos. Like I guess you could technically say there are combos right. in this game, but like I like the like smash attacks and like the direction plus a button mm-hmm. kind of uh, way of doing things. And it might just be because I played the original, like. Mm-hmm. But like it, I, I much prefer that to like a traditional combo system. Personally, agreed. And uh, and this is not meant to be demeaning at all, as much as I joke about these things, because the systems in fighting games are designed to emulate the kind of like prediction games that and in reaction time that they want to forward in those systems. Right. But in Smash Brothers, it really does feel like a transition between one-dimensional movement and action to two- or three-dimensional movement and action because there's more physical real estate and location on the screen that you have to care about than mm-hmm. in like a conventional game like, say, Soul Calibur, because that's the one that I'm most experienced with. Right. Uh, and the actual effect of the moves that you are executing on goes from a one-dimensional prediction to this kind of like two-dimensional gradient or scale. It also plays into the the fact that we're talking about Smash Brothers Ultimate. We're kind of talking about everything, but <laughs> this is specifically an Ultimate. We're talking about 74 characters uh, up to 80 characters, maybe more in the future. Uh, and the, the way that traditional fighting games work, like if you want to punish someone in a fighting game because of like an, a, a whiffed move or a block or something, you execute a combo, which is something that's on a tree that you memorized. Yeah. And that makes the actual play more deep. Like for uh, like your one character versus one other character, you know what they're capable of because you fucking studied the matchup. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Smash Brothers, it's a lot easier to like, put it big quotes main multiple characters and everyone who is like competitively competent definitely does and a lot of people who are casual main even more characters than that because they just because like the amount of depth you have to go into to beat your friends is a lot lower so 
the simplicity of the controls and the fact that you don't have traditional combos. Like a combo in Smash Brothers is does this move put them into hit stun long enough for me to run up to them and then do another move? <laughs> like it, it's way less about like executing on a tree and more about like seeing what your opponent is doing and reacting to it yeah. in a way that's like beneficial to you. It, it's important to recognize that even with the Smash Brothers mechanic set tuned as competitively as possible, mm-hmm. which is of course no items, Fox only Final Destination. <laughs> there's still some the meme has to be inserted <laughs> yes. at some point. Yeah. It has it, the core gameplay of Smash Brothers has so much more moment to moment diversity than a lot of other conventional like prediction based fighting game systems mm-hmm. that what you're doing is something a whole lot more akin, especially if you're casual to kind of a creative mindset like you have to adapt just so much more because everything is on a gradient and everything can change moment to moment in terms of what is going to go where when you do something right like everything that you're doing is changing where they physically are in relation to you changes on like on like an infinite gradient scale <laughs> like it's it's a whole lot more expressive it's like the difference between uh, chess or go to me right like it's and I like it obviously a whole lot more where you can be expressive in these kind of systems and not just have to follow a decision tree yeah and it's even like your opponent has that le- same level of influence on uh, the way that everything plays out as well yeah because like obviously we have you have dodges and stuff and things exist like things that you do dear listener even if you don't know it like di directional influence where like when you get hit, and you're flying towards the edge of the screen, subconsciously, you're holding the control stick in the other direction, and that actually does influence the way that you move. And, like, knowing about that makes, like, the smaller interactions allow you to have a little bit more, like, room to breathe. But what it does in, like, a big, like, four-player free-for-all is it makes everything, like... You have these moments, right? Like somebody like hits you with a smash attack, you fly off the side of the stage, and you're playing on Hyrule Temple because you've got nine people playing the game at the same time, mm-hmm. and you like everyone for a second stops and watches like your character in like the little bubble as it drifts so dangerously close to the blast zone, <laughs> right? And then you recover, and everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> yes." Ambiguity is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very, very rare, not impossible, but rare for you to create in predictive systems uh, a kind of ambiguity that's... It's, it's hard for you to build an ambiguity there because most people can just get good enough that they can just iterate on the thing that they need to do every, every time. Mm-hmm. Like, and because you, you don't want to create a game where the depth is locked behind a ludicrously high like barrier to entry. Right. You don't want you, know, you don't want like a... Like, frame perfect reactions to be required on every action to be competitive uh but so in this system instead of locking it like that you can create that drama because you literally don't know if you're going to get knocked off screen most of the time when you're in a one-on-one match when you're hit by a big smash attack right like it just depends on too much fucking math for you to just know at the time uh and like spacings are relevant because of the way damage systems work like you it's hard for you to know whether you got tipped by marth on a particular knockback or not until you know whether you're dead or not actually in this game uh when you hit when you get a tipper with marth it actually has like a red 
uh, damage indicator? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I've I've been trying to. This is something I could have easily googled, but like, <laughs> I've like now yeah. associated the thing. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, this it has is a, a strong hit. This one. The point is that it's determined, but it's determined in a way that's complex enough that it creates the kind of drama you normally see from random systems. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the recoveries. Uh, add to that as well like you never know like if you might be a little bit too far away to get it <laughs> yep. yeah yeah or you like or someone might jump off and down smash you and kill you yeah you know or... like there's a lot of variability in a lot of other ways as well it's all the benefit that you'll get from skill mastery because you can i mean theoretically you become a cool enough person you'll be able to know exactly how far you go when this happens and that's you know where you get high level melee play and like that kind of competitiveness from is trying to master all of that complexity in the systems, but you get to still feel like you have absolute influence over what's going to happen without knowing what's going to happen. And right. that's cool. Yeah. And that, and that is like, not to diminish like the, the classic, like uh, the, the Evo moment where, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the guy parries Chun-Li's special like 14 times consecutively. And that's what I'm referring to. It's like, that is very cool, but like that is based Solely on preparation, understanding of the matchup, and hard reads. Yes. And, like, that is not what Smash Brothers is designed around. Yeah. And I think that's really kind of what the divide is, too, like, that we were alluding to before, mm-hmm. is that, like, this game is designed around a certain element of randomness uh, to the point where, like, you can enter a character or enter a, a tournament mm-hmm. playing as a character who has a, a side B that will very rarely just kill anyone in one hit. Like that's a very that's a real thing that exists yeah. in this game and is legal in tournament play because they accept and understand the amount of randomness that plays right. in. And that's what makes the game so fun to watch. And it's not even like it's not the heart, but like it's not even all about randomness. Like this game has just enough numerical complexity in it that it can simulate randomness on a moment to moment basis. Like an an unknown you know, what's the old phrase about, like, science fiction, like, sufficiently advanced technology appears like magic? Mm-hmm. Smash Brothers and its base mechanical systems does that with just, like, predictability of actions. And that's cool. Why did you both look at me? I don't know. <laughs> we hate I, you. Yeah. No contest! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I kind of want to, because I'm going to get into this, and I'm going to get my ass fucking handed to me, yeah. and then I'm going to cry, and then one of the podcast. Okay. But uh, not like this episode forever, when I no longer have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> but part of the randomness that's in Smash Brothers, right, yeah. is influenced by a couple of things, and there is, an ins- as you've mentioned before, and in- even before concerning spirits or equipment or custom moves or any of that. Yeah. Just in a regular fight, you open the package of the game, put the game cartridge into your console, go to Smash, pick your characters, hit go. There's an absurd amount of random chance that happens in any match from default settings. Stages have, like, insane, crazy shit that can happen, ranging from, like, pretty small, like, Peach's Castle, there are buttons that show up that can create platforms, mm-hmm. and that's interesting. Or, like, Guar Plains, where Metal Face can just, like, fly across the screen and just obliterate somebody out of nowhere, uh, are both, like, interesting things that, that occur in the game. And then also the addition of items. And I want to talk about items not just because I don't like them most of the time, <laughs> but, like, I even, like, within the subset of items that are in the game i think there's some that are like 
stupid and others that I think are really cool and interesting. Uh, and so I don't know, like, but where we want to begin yeah. on that. I mean, it's such a can of worms. It really because, is. Because, like, as somebody that likes items... Uh, there are certain ones that I always turn off, you know, like everyone has their preferences and I really like the items, but I don't like the stage hazards and there might be people who feel the exact opposite. Yeah. Like it's just, there's like, we've been saying about everything else. There's so much variability Mm -hmm. that it's, it makes it kind of difficult when playing with your friends because you have to like go through and be like, okay, what does everybody agree on? (laughs) You know, like it it takes like a 25 minute setup time. Yeah, for like every fight, where you're just like, huh? In that last game, Boss Galaga got me. Like right before I jump back onto the stage to like turn that one off because I'm I'm angry at it right now. <laughs> like maybe we can turn it back on later when I'm feeling more akin to it. But the problem, one of the like fundamental tensions that you get in casual multiplayer Smash Brothers play is that any game can only have so big of a budget on player attention. Like you have so much amount of things that a player can notice at any given time and feel like they've understood enough to react to. Mm -hmm. And that's smaller than you'd often think, but that's intention with a lot of the actual appeal of Smash Brothers as they market it is like crazy, unpredictable madness, a chaos happening everywhere. You got Kirby putting this guy in a pot and he's roasting him. <laughs> like, 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 and like, because the, the chaos and the zaniness is something that they've intentionally leaned into, they are constantly, constantly running up against the maximum amount of things you can have happen that until it starts to feel unfair because it starts to feel unfair when it becomes physically impossible for you to notice everything that's going on and that's why a lot of people even to this day still feel like like eight player is a meme like it's not fun because it what has happened there is that the number of players have surpassed that person's attention budget it becomes impossible for them to realize everything that is going on and that makes you with the moments you die feel random instead of like a mistake even if they are a mistake i like that uh your argument here, your description of this, yeah. is a way, in a way painting me as like the I am at a I am attention bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, I have the attention span to understand what is happening between exactly two players <laughs> with no variability, no final smashes, no items. Just like on a flat plane. It's not even. It's not even span because span is like length of time. Right. It's yeah. like attention width. It's like the size of your eyes and that you use <laughs> to interpret all of this. Yeah, but I think uh, uh, th- there's there are two things. One, a player smash is a meme. Don't don't do it. It's bad. <laughs> uh, if you have like five or six people, maybe play. Yeah. That the, just I so think people the biggest sit out biggest issue with eight player smash is just how far the camera zooms back like it just is hard to see everything Mm -hmm. yep especially when you're somebody who like because ideally when you're playing really any fighting game but smash brothers in specific because that's welcome to the smash brothers podcast uh you really want to be keeping an eye on your opponent specifically and not so much on yourself because you want to know what they're going to do so that you can react to it and when you have seven people and one and two eyes that work (laughs) to look at them Uh it becomes impossible to like try and keep track of all of that meanwhile like when you have like the the stages that are designed specifically for eight player smash are all if are a disaster or like, or like the worst stages yeah <laughs> like 
every one of them has like weird hazards that are just like fucking staple gunned onto the side <laughs> of the stage. Like Great Cave Offensive just has like ceiling lava. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a concept un- heretofore unknown to man, mm-hmm. and yet there it is. Uh, Palutena's temple has like a normal stage and then 14 more normal stages attached to it. Mm-hmm. There's like spikes that just like hang from a thing. The, on the, the weird ceiling. bridge. The weird bridge. <laughs> like, they're trying to jerry rig a way where they can make the design of a platform fighter still work when the platform is the size of a planet. Because yeah. by default, <laughs> if, if those stages didn't have those things, it would be even worse. Because you, <laughs> like the way that some people still complain about Hyrule Temple all the way back to Melee, which compared to those stages is like a quarter of the size or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you still, still like big. I can't I can't knock anyone off. Like there's no hazards that just auto kill people, which is right. what those things on like the lava are there for. So you just get into these like infinite loops where the size of the stage makes it harder to knock you off for obvious reasons. There's just more distance for you to cover, especially if there is underground stuff in the middle so that the stage doesn't get boring. Yeah. Uh which uh just for the record, if you're into the if you have fallen down the rabbit hole as far as I have and need to know anything about the classic mode meta game, <laughs> if you're trying to get a 9.9 and you have a st- uh, route that includes one of these stages, give up because your fight will go on forever and you won't ever and you won't be able to get a 9.9. Yeah. So they had to include these hazards in the huge ones to make them work with the core conceit of the game at all right uh and it but it still is a, is a sucky jerry rick solution <laughs> yeah like even because we've played with eight people before and playing on like a pretty regular size stage is like reasonable like you can do it like big battlefield yeah big battlefield probably the best for- one for eight player smash <laughs> yeah it's insane uh i don't even know yeah i feel like four players is the sweet spot it really it but is. i mean that's no surprise i think because i'm so like the person that loves the designed experience of smash brothers mm-hmm. so and that's like three stock four players items on medium <laughs> that's right. the way i like to play <laughs> and that's the way it's all like set out of the box do we want to do we want to talk about why three stock is not the way to play multiplayer. <laughs> I mean, they're going to get enough of it tonight when they come here anyway. So I feel like... <laughs> you say the of... only people who listen to this podcast are going to be at our apartment. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, good point. There are people, there are some people who listen to our podcast who aren't our friends. Uh, so are you guys going to force me to defend coin battle and become the coin battle pariah? No, because it, realistically, the coin battle is good for the same reason the time battle is good in a multiplayer scenario. Uh, in that it, like, actually, like, the winner of the game is the person who participated in the most stuff and did well in, like, a high percentage of them. Mm-hmm. But coin battle is bad, and the reason the coin <laughs> battle is bad is because the amount of particles on screen is so insane <laughs> that, like, it's just a visual disaster to try and figure out what was going on. At any given time. I agree there's room for improvement in coin battle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's Uh, what I needed to hear. (laughs) Okay. But coin battle is the only mode, to my knowledge, they've ever made that rewards you for incidental chip damage in terms of, like, 
the thing that I still don't like, even after a lot of the changes they've done with time to make time better, mm -hmm. is that time disproportionately rewards heavy characters, not just for survival, which is like a medium trade-off that you could argue is still kind of balanced, but because it is just easier for those characters to get points because it is easier for people to knock them off the stage. And the chaos of multiplayer environments means it is easier for a heavy character with a big move to get that move off because of the, my prior attention span limitation discussion. Yeah. Like it's just harder to see and predict when a heavy character like Ike is going to swing his big old thing down. Yeah. Can, consider like in your head the number of times that you've landed a Ganondorf up tilt in a 1v1. The answer to that question is almost undoubtedly zero times. <laughs> the number of times that you've landed in multiplayer, maybe two or three. Yeah. Like multi more than one time maybe. In multiplayer, you may just like input the move while alone in an empty side of the stage and you'll still hit someone because yeah. they'll just happen to be over there in the amount of time it takes for the move to go off. Yeah, for you to actually put your foot down. Yeah. So, yeah, then no, that's 100% true. And, like, because you can stand, like, in the middle of the stage and avoid the like a heavy character's biggest drawback, which is usually if you get them off the stage, it's harder for them to get back on. Ike says, fuck you, I guess, because he can just, like, fly from a million miles away. Yeah. Uh, My ideal design for Smash Brothers would be something where... In the problem is, is screen real estate at this point, because you run out of modes... You run out of room on screen to display more things than just the percentage number. VR Smash Brothers. VR Smash Brothers, That's yes. what we need. That's what we need, <laughs> for many reasons, but... <laughs> I want a mode in which each individual character has a score that increments upwards as they deal damage to people, and then you get some kind of either large batch of incremental damage or just like a huge reward for knocking someone off, mm -hmm. or lose it when you get knocked off. That's like my ideal mode that they can't do because they just don't have a place to put the number. What about stamina mode but with knockback? <sighs> yeah, I'm like, that hurts me to even think about, yeah, actually. But <laughs> I think it's mostly, I think the reason I say that isn't like my biases against stamina mode because without, because that is trying to be a conventional fighting game in the way that this game is not designed to be. And yeah. It, it removes a lot of the benefits. But with knockback, I, I think that might get over my initial bias because all the things that I don't like about stamina is the lack of not, if knockback. Mm -hmm. So that with it might be close to what I'm looking for. It still allows like players, okay, yeah. so stamina mode is bad in Smash Brothers, specifically because if you're playing a character who can gimp, like somebody who can kill somebody at a low percent, mm -hmm. you're just like instantly going to win any stamina battle because you can just kill people without doing a bunch of damage to them. Yeah. Uh, and it also like completely throws all balancing that the game has out the window. Yeah. So yeah, so stamina mode is bad for that reason. Yeah, but I can also see how maybe you could kind of make it work in the way that you want it to. Yeah, it, it's close. It still has the issue, the classic party game problem of you don't want to eliminate people completely. Yeah. Um, which I, I would that I would also prefer like an, an up incrementing system to a down incrementing system for that reason. This is also the reason why I like stock battle over time battle when we play multiplayer is because there's more of a chance that I'm going to get into a situation where it is a 1v1 versus time battle where it's just always the version where I don't know what's happening. Yeah, time <laughs> battle always feels like it ends abruptly to me. Like, yes. Yeah. I'm like, uh, like the casualiest of casuals <laughs> when it comes to smash brothers. I like smash brothers when it's the most like Mario Kart. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, stock battle, like 
I was thinking about this on the break because I knew we'd get into this discussion. Yeah. Um, but like so much, and you guys have like gone on and on, and I've been mostly crickets over here. <laughs> uh, because like for me, it's so much of just like a feel thing. Like you've described your ideal version of it. Like I've given it nowhere even close to that much thought. Mm-hmm. Where like just like three stock just like feels the best to me like everybody's got three lives the last one standing wins it feels the most intuitive and is always just come off as the most fun to me it is absolutely the most intuitive it's definitely the most clear because you it takes so much less effort and there's so much less that you have to describe than any of the other modes like there's literally just three buttons on the screen and everyone who's played a video game understands like you went into like you wish you were rewarded for chip damage. And I know we've had these discussions before where you're like, like, uh, whoever might win and they didn't like participate that much and this and that. And like all of that, like so much of that just does not matter or even register to me at all. Like, I don't know. Like I just, and I think smash brothers wants to be aimed towards people like me. Agreed. But, since melee has really like engaged this more like technically minded crowd and it's had that like identity crisis since then yeah well melee and that's engaged what... the crowd brawl didn't really right and smash 4 attempted to make some concessions but was misguided ultimate is the closest it's come and like i think it's safe to say for me somebody who did not get into the technical aspects of melee uh that this is my favorite game mechanically but I can also, like, I'm interested to see what transpires tonight when we play with, like, six people. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Because we played Smash 4 with three stocks, which in Smash 4 meant that the game lasted for, like, somewhere between, like, five and ten minutes every time. And I think Smash Ultimate is so fast that we might, as a, like, as a field thing, because not only am I sympathetic to that, I 100% think that when you play in the environment that we typically play Smash Brothers in, we you should go by feel what feels good to play yeah, yeah. right i think that we're probably going to bump it up to four stocks like eventually because Ooh. the fights are going to be like shorter yeah it's gonna be like two minutes you're like oh cool good game interesting okay i'll, I'll keep this prediction on record yeah all right uh, now that I've said it, it's actually kind of spoiled it because now there's like a confirmation bias that's going to happen. Oh, well, I'll always not want to play stock at all, so you don't <laughs> have to worry about my input. Uh, and you do voice it, though. That's the right, thing. Right, right. Yeah. I won't. Uh, to go back a couple of steps, because uh, I feel like, Andy, you're, not only yeah. your general just, comments. Yeah, I'm just kind of like stating my thought process. I'm not really saying I'm right or anything. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely do, though. I, I think that... Everything you're saying here is quite genuine to, like, the core experience of this game, especially in terms of why so many people immediately gravitate to stock over a time battle, Mm -hmm. even though the game was kind of designed initially around time. It defaults to time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the reason for that is that time battle is very bad, even now, at allowing you to see the relative position to the players. Here's the comparison I'm going to make. Like, matches in Splatoon... Theor- most of them, like especially like the, the turf war battles, mm-hmm. don't have an immediate win condition. Like even in Splatoon, if you cover the entire ground in your color, if there's time, that doesn't mean you win, right? If there's time, people can come back when like in a crazy circumstance. But it doesn't feel abrupt when games of Splatoon end on time. And I think the reason for that is, is that- The Spl- one minute warning? Well, not just that. Uh, that would be appreciated, but Splatoon has a crystal clear way of declaring who is in the lead at any time. One of the clearest ways I've ever seen in any system in any game is Splatoon system for that. And I think Smash Brothers time mode, 
has historically had one of the worst systems. It's like almost intentionally tried not to let people know who's in the lead so that bad people don't feel discouraged. Right. Uh, but that has other costs that have, once people started to play it more and more, almost made them immediately drop the mode. I, I, I That kind of lack of clarity is what makes it feel abrupt to me. There's no narrative because you just don't know everyone's relative placement. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, one of the solutions that I'd want in perfect Smash Brothers mode right. is that kind of clarity. Well, there is score display, but like it requires you to sort of like check down in like a scenario where most of the time you aren't going to be doing that. Mm -hmm. um, Dude, you do it on stock most of the time. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've definitely died. I've been like, whoops. Yep. <laughs> I died. <laughs> yep. We've all been there. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they've actually made strides to make time battles a little bit more amenable. They have. Um, but we'll see how far the casual meta goes to, <laughs> to going toward a more, like, perfectly competitive version of all stages, all hazards, all items. But I feel like we won't... It, like, I feel like there's a stubbornness. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a stubbornness on, stubbornness, Nuff. Nuff. on both sides of... Uh, of, of, like, the Smash Brothers community to not be amenable to the other half. Yes. And uh, that kind of saddens me because I feel like Smash Brothers is a happy game for fun times. It mm -hmm. is 100% a joyous place for joyous people. <laughs> yeah, and whether I'm playing in competitive 1v1s, like, booting up quick play and, like, we aren't, I'm just going to say we aren't going to talk about the online because it's in like a massive state of flux right now. Yeah. And because I'm pretty sure I'm the only one of the three of us that's engaged in it. Agreed. I, we played together. Oh, I meant the online, like the quick play, like oh, the play like, with strangers. Gotcha. Version. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like everything that we say, we can talk about like net code, but I feel like that's not traditional no clip discussion. It's nor should it be. And, and <laughs> anything that we say here might change in six months yeah. significantly. Yeah. But like when I'm playing in quick play and I'm playing against another person, I'm usually fine with whatever rule set ends up coming up. Mm -hmm. um, they've made it more consistent that when I go and play online, I'm going to get like an FDR battlefield, no items, 1v1 type match which is what I'm normally looking for. But I played, like, 50 or so matches that were just random. Like, what's going to happen? And, like, would just arrive and be... And I at the end of the match, normally I felt like I had a pretty good time because I enjoy engaging with Smash Brothers, and I feel like a lot of the community could probably be made a little bit, like, less embittered if they accepted both sides. Great. Yeah. Like, well, the whole, like, melee... I feel like they, a lot of it comes back to that where... Uh, Melee came out, everybody loved it, and then Brawl came out, it was slower, it had the tripping, and then it had, like, you could use the GameCube controller, so that, like, engendered loyalty to the GameCube <laughs> and Melee even more. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's been, like, a splint... Like, every iteration, I feel like, has caused more splintering of the fan base, and I think that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be clear, even though I'm, like comically hostile to most competitive game communities uh it is 100 percent a great thing what they've done i think with ultimate i think they've done a way better job so far in my experience of trying to 
actually help that audience kind of mix than any other game in the series. And just because I don't think I've said this yet and before we bookend our mode conversation, uh, yes, I'm aware that that stock is the best way to play 1v1. Yeah. Don't send me angry tweets. It's by far the best way to do it in that way. It's just not good for multiplayer. That's yeah, all. it occurred to me that, like, I had just taken that as an assumption that right. we were, like, already... We are like, that part's over. Yeah, yeah it should be clarified. Yeah, and it everything I've said has been through the lens of playing with your friends because that's the only way I ever play. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I want to, uh, and this is actually going to be a little bit weird for me to like mention a competitive player and not mention like any other. This is, I, I just want to like mention as you were talking about how Ultimate's done a good job actually causing the mix to happen. It is the mixture that it is super successful at because the competitive community itself is still a little bit torn on it. Um, but I do want to like at least call out there's a guy whose name is Leffen. He's a, a player of. Uh, he was a melee player, and he's been playing Ultimate like as the game has come out, and has really kind of like carried the banner to be like, "Hey, melee players, this game is also good," like because he's somebody that people take seriously in the community, and he's also talking about how good of a game Ultimate actually is. So I feel like it's made strides in bringing people, dragging people, kicking and screaming <laughs> from two thousand and one. Yeah, and like melee is a different game. Like melee is a different Smash Brothers game played competitively than any other game in the series and that's for a reason and it will always have a following and it will always be fun to watch at least for me uh and i'm sure other people but i i feel like ultimate is really trying to be melee too and is is doing a better job of it than i would have guessed agreed yeah are there actually other things that we want to talk about specifically i don't think you ever really got into the items rant i mean you got into like the general like i it makes it makes the game about maybe that i guess maybe that's enough you said, so, you said that oh, it makes the game about what item you have too much instead of what your character can do and removes diversity of the game that you're playing yeah i feel like items over centralize on themselves when they're turned on a lot of the time yeah like god fucking forbid you have final smash balls on and you're just like everybody run for the smash ball because the guy who gets it wins yep. the game i actually agree on that point like, i don't like the items that are so good that everyone stops playing the game and goes after the items. And it, like, as somebody who does play items with friends but doesn't prefer them, I would be heartbroken if we turned off, like, assist trophies and Pokeballs. Right. They're way over-centralizing, but, like, that is, like... That's part of the content that you get excited about when yeah. the game comes out. You're like, yeah. what new Pokemon's going to be in the yeah. game? It's a gotcha part of the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you almost kind of want, like, this absurd level of customization where, like, I also like Pokeballs and Assist Trophies, but specifically in this game, I feel like Assist Trophies come up way too often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Like, I wish I could tweak the percentage on that. Mm-hmm. Just that. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Being able to, like, turn on and off particular Pokemon or Assist Trophies yeah, would, would be nice strides. Because, like, Zero is way too good. Yeah, right. Uh, not the Smash 4 player, but, like, the, <laughs> <laughs> the Assist Trophy Zero is, is, like, for some reason just, like, instantly kills everyone on screen. <laughs> Uh, he's a cool man. He's a cool man, apparently. Yeah. Or we're just bad at fighting that assist trophy, we'll figure this which out. is a weird thing he's to like so get good. F- at. He's so fast. Yeah, <laughs> but like his blade eyes, is so big. It is. <laughs> uh, in my eyes, like the perfect Super Smash Brothers item is the metal box, like Ooh. the Mario sixty four green box. Yeah. yeah, where you just like 
your character becomes heavier and harder to launch for like a period of time mm-hmm. because it's like a meaningful change that has both ups and downs. Like it's a good, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Yep. Uh, and like, it's not over Like nobody sprints out of their way to pick up the metal box. Right. Unless they're like 400% and they're like, I'm going to die instantly. When I get hit. <laughs> so you go grab it. It's like a really interesting kind of cool thing. And to some extent, like I really like the soccer ball and baseball items. I think the baseball is too good. Actually. The beast ball. Uh, <laughs> The, the soccer ball is cool because even though it's like <laughs> like probably way overpowered, yeah. it's got like an interesting like angles thing to it where you have to sort of play around that. Yeah, it introduces a completely new skill that you have to test, mm-hmm. which is like trying to like playing kickball or something. Right, it feels like you're playing kickball in the middle of a Smash Brothers game in a yeah. cool way. And additionally, I think well, I, I'm a huge fan of things like Death Scythe and like the Home Run Bat, the Killing Edge. Oh yeah, I was I'm, gonna bring I'm, up Home Run Bat. I'm also super happy, by the way, just like that Killing edges in this game because like while fire emblem is overrepresented they didn't really have like a cool item agree and the killing edge is like a super cool like iconic item yep and i'm glad that it's it's there good mechanical inflammation of it too like Mm -hmm. you want items ignoring trophies and assists and pokeballs right now yeah you want items that create more gameplay diversity in terms of how, not just what they do on screen, like, because obviously a Smash Ball creates a lot of diversity because <laughs> everyone dies. <laughs> uh, but uh, you want an item that creates from the player's internal perspective and makes them do diverse and different things with based on the items that happen to appear. And that, that's part of the reason I love the home run bat. If you pick that up, it's, it's A, a choice whether or not you want to do it at all. Because like maybe you want to keep your normal side smash. Maybe it's too much of a cost to pick that up. But now that you've got this thing, you have this option for like a crazy Captain Falcon style wind up instant kill move that's yeah. in your repertoire. And it has all the cool interactions with throw. It's one of the best throwing items that there are. That's actually what I was going to mention is I do like all these items, but I feel like they should tone down how effective they are as thrown items. Because like I would agree, because like yeah. they've, I think like they were like, I didn't play melee very much, but mm-hmm. in brawl, like throwing an item at a person was like, op. Yeah, it was really powerful in brawl. Yeah, like I've been and they toned by it. it down. I think in every iteration since, and mm-hmm. it still feels like it's too powerful. Yeah, I feel like I've been killed by a home run bat probably like ten million times in the course of my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe like. 20 of those times was like an actual like home run yeah i was just like fucking smashed off the screen like while i was trying to recover by somebody yeah. throwing like one. when i pick up like almost any item like one that you can throw mm-hmm. it's like in my mind it's like 60 percent of my <laughs> mind is saying just throw it yeah and then the like. other 40 percent is like uh, maybe use it yeah. <laughs> you know like it's it's so much of the time like especially since the game is faster now mm-hmm. um, than the last two iterations like just picking it up and winging it at somebody <laughs> usually seems like it's the more effective way to go. It's also like something that's inherently funny. Yeah, like, and then if you hit, you can throw it at them and then have it bounce back and catch, and it, catch again. it and then throw it and again. Then throw it again. <laughs> yeah, and you maybe turn around and throw it at somebody else. Yeah, just like the idea of like Jigglypuff getting struck by like a flying baseball bat uh-huh. is just like such an intriguing concept. I'm glad it exists. It is a thing that happens in this game. Yeah, but it is. It, I feel like they could bring it down a little bit. Just like you can even have them deal the same amount of damage to reduce the knockback. Yep. So that like just pelting somebody with death scythe isn't like <laughs> the optimal strategy. Like actually want to use it would be a good 
goal to strive for. It's one of those things where I think the base design of items are compensating for gameplay of less skilled players to an extent, because they're very aware that everyone who wants to play competitive is going to turn all the items off anyway. Right. So they end up treating item throws in the way that you would treat like a difficult skill shot in like most of their competitive games because they assume most people are going to be like really bad at making the items hit the intended target and that's mm-hmm. going to seem like kind of random. I see. I think it's like way easier to hit somebody with the item if you throw it at them <laughs> than if you try to just hit them with it. Yeah. I mean, really? that's definitely true. Because it's, it's quicker. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and not only that, but like especially in this game with uh, the way that they've changed air dodging and stuff, mm-hmm. it's way, like, for most players who are uncomfortable going off stage, it's a lot easier to hit somebody who's trying to recover because their, like, their jump arc and their recoveries are things that are predictable. Mm-hmm. So you just, like, mm, short hop throw the home run bat is way easier to do than, like, running out and trying to, like, back air them into the stage or some shit like that. I mean, agree, but I've played this game for, like, 20 years, and I'm still, like, absolute complete shit at hitting people who are off stage with items. <laughs> just like, you have, oh, with items. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you give me, you give me 20, you give me 20 home run bats and 20 attempts to, like, get someone who's <laughs> trying to recover, and I'll hit, like, four, I bet. <laughs> yeah, like, I think uh, the blaster item is a good example of what or relates to what we're talking about here where i feel like in like the first game and maybe melee too like it was really overpowered mm-hmm. like it was easy to just blast someone off the edge just like hit stun them in to death to the point where like it's basically useless now <laughs> it's like so it's slow. so hard to hit people with it like it's just a projectile to me. Like, yeah. I don't even try to shoot people with it. Unless, like, I have, like, a perfect scenario where they're distracted and I like, yeah. get a few hits in. Like, it's so easy to dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing goes for, like, the super scope as well. Like, it used yeah. to be, like, a lot more simple to, like, charge a shot and kill someone with it. Or I was doing it on people who were, like, also 11 years old. And now right. people just yeah. have more, like, a better sense of Agreed. Things. There's also, uh, I think a lot of those scope and, and gun-based items are partially designed around a multiplayer assumption because using them limits your movement to such an extent to lock someone like that that they, I think they kind of assume someone's going to come over there and wreck your shit. Is the reason why they got rid of the fan. Yeah. Like, yep. it's not like there was, like, a weird copyright where they're like, mm, no, white fans? That's owned <laughs> by white fan company. Like, we can't bring that one back. Mm-hmm. Like, they got rid of it because it was just, like, not really fun. Mm-hmm. Though uh, apparently there's some fan fans out there, but that's yeah, no, not... actually that was a really popular item. Yeah, fan fans are fans of fan because of the story. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Like because fans are hilarious. Yeah. It doesn't make them good. Like you can. There's all sorts of ways you can do hilarious things in games that ruin the game completely. <laughs> and a fan, I think, is 100% one of them. Like let's keep fan as a wonderful childhood memory and don't try and bring it into the future please because i want to i don't want to be annoyed by the fan in the present i want to remember the good fan memories in the past yeah fan fans man mm-hmm. <laughs> oh i think just to cap it off fuck gus bellows also we, we never take them <laughs> off but i hate the gus bellows i, I like, do also I like the gus bellows they made them weaker in this game they're they're i think okay now i agree they were bad before yeah yeah do we have any thoughts on specific characters? We, we managed to get enough into items that we... That, that is actually up. weird that we got into specific items before we got into actual, like, the individual characters. Well, it's just, like, 
we can't talk about them all. Like, really, we cannot. If we spent one minute on each character, which would be nothing, it would take almost, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk... Okay, so this is a Super Smash Bros. Ultimate podcast, so I kind of want to discuss the newcomers to some extent. Sure. And uh, for me, the, like, the ones that stand out the most, like, addition to... Ridley K. Ruler, people have been calling for for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, what Brawl made me aware that like people actively discussed what characters they wanted in Smash Brothers and didn't just go like, wow, Wolf? <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, when the game released. <laughs> uh, I, like, I've been like, fucking K. Rool should be in the game. There aren't enough heavy characters. Now there's probably enough heavy characters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and Ridley is just like, I fucking love Metroid and have always fucking loved Metroid and just want to have Ridley in the game because he's the only other character that really makes sense. Mm-hmm. And hey, they're here. But after playing it, the ones that stand out to me are the Belmonts. Like, I fucking love playing as Simon and, and Richter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like muscles, so I like stay away from things that have muscles. <laughs> They're just like yeah. big bu- buff guys. Yes, Simon's design is really weird looking. Like he looks weirdly old. Mm-hmm. Like there's something uncanny valley about it, maybe, or like the way he's textured or something. Also, in his victory mm-hmm. or his like character portrait, I feel like, and I mentioned this to you guys, so this is not gonna lack the like. It is gonna lack the the impact of what a weird observation it is. Yeah. But I think like I guess he shaves his armpits or just doesn't <laughs> grow armpit hair. Yeah, but, that's that's common with like agreed. fictional characters. Yeah, yeah, it's just universal. They just it's, they don't want a model ignored. armpit hair. Jeff. Nobody really does. But it's so <laughs> weird because like the the majority of his portrait is his armpit. <laughs> Like Fair 80% enough. Yeah. Of, of okay. The screen. Yeah, but yeah, they uh, made that choice in their own. Yeah. Sure. I love how unique his design is, though. Like, I think Richter overall like looks more pleasant. You right. know, like he, yeah. This but, is part of the reason why I play Simon, despite the fact that yeah. like basically no difference. But Richter looks a lot more generic. He does. Yeah. He looks a little bit too like youthful anime cute. Yeah, it's a little any, bit too anime. Yeah, you yeah. want some Conan. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. I don't think I've brought this up yet. Uh, I've been teaching Rachel this game, and she's never played a Smash Brothers game before, despite, like, playing games since the N64. Yeah. Uh, Kirby, if you're curious. He latched on to Kirby immediately. Of course. Of, that's, like, that's like a stereotype, right? Like no, tons it's, of... it's not a stereotype. Kirby is explicitly designed to be appealing to new players. Really? Yeah, like, his... It's, like, the direction that you input for each of his attacks, like, directly corresponds to the direction that your opponent is going to go when you use them. Hmm. And, like... Kirby's like got a simple character. He's got a uh, like a puff jump. I don't know what you want to call it. He's yeah. five minute jump, floaty jump. Yep. Yeah, which gives him more of like an opportunity to recover if they're knocked horizontally. More control. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what you mean. That makes more sense, but I never considered it. But uh, when she was going through the character roster initially after I unlocked everything, I expected her to be confused by the amount of anime people. <laughs> but the thing that stuck her that like really stood out to her initially was like, why is Conan the Barbarian here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She even ignored Richter. Let's just went to time and was like, who is the yeah. what? Well, yeah, I, th- I would agree with that line of thinking <laughs> that like, Simon and Snake are the ones who stand out like they shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. I feel like Bayonetta kind of falls into that as well because See, Bayonetta's I, design is very clearly not a Nintendo character. Yes, yeah, but, but also she, those two characters she, aren't either. She's more anime-ish though. She yeah. kind of blends with some of the other characters. She's very extreme more. and they tone down a lot of the sexualized elements like Especially just enough. in just yeah. her character portrait, you know, sure, she doesn't yeah. stand out that much. I was going to yep. say, like, yeah, if you have like the full, like if you did a moveset comparison of everybody, I feel like Bayonetta yeah, would say her gun, yeah. like, like a regular gun that doesn't fire lasers. Yeah, 
Bayonetta looks weird standing next to Pikachu. We can all agree. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, because even Snake, who I agree is also one of the strangest ones. Like, I'm very excited to have a Snake amiibo mm-hmm. because it will finally like uh, a trump out like Solaire and uh, Bayonetta as being like weird things to have an amiibo of. Uh, <laughs> and cloud. Yeah, and Cloud. <laughs> but like Solid Snake, even in Brawl, they avoided giving him like a gun. Like when you're playing Super Smash Brothers. And you're playing Snake, like, you have a rocket, you have multiple rocket launchers, grenades, and explosives, but, mm-hmm. like, the thing that you use in, like, you don't just have, like, the SOCOM, yeah. right? Like, it's right. not a thing. I really want to either, like, research and write a paper about the history of how explosives were incorporated into comedy. <laughs> I find that so weird. It's got to have something to do, like, specifically with Bugs Bunny. I can't imagine the trend goes back much further than that. Yeah. Uh Wiley Coyote, like, blowing himself up with TNT. Yeah, I just want to know why, like, that specific category of, like, lethal force weapon just became, like, ha, 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 (laughs) and, like, nothing else (laughs) with it. Whatever. It's it's a side story. Yeah. But, uh, that was, that's my stand. I like the, I like the Belmonts because they are, like, a a range character, Mm -hmm. and I just generally like that. I played a lot of Villager, and I feel like the Belmonts just trump Villager in, like, every way. Not actually, but, like, (laughs) in the way that I play, yeah, I'm like, oh, shit, like, I can do normals from, like, a million miles away now. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Uh. They just feel really good. And Castlevania is a cool aesthetic, even if Simon does kind of look like Conan the Barbarian yeah. mixed with He-Man. So, <laughs> like, I get that that's strange, yeah. but uh, it's just a cool thing. Before we get too far away from this also, I, I'm just curious, since I, I have had the experience having to teach someone Smash Brothers from scratch recently, mm-hmm. what do you guys think of this hilariously big game with its hilariously large number of mechanics? would be the biggest, like, complexity hurdle for a new player. Just multiplayer. Ignore all the single-player stuff. New, new player to Smash, right? New player like, to Smash Like, completely. understands video games generally. Yeah, like, like so, how do you win in a game of Smash Brothers? Wait, so, is the question... <laughs> the question, what's the what's, biggest complexity hurdle? Like, what's the thing that okay. takes the longest for them to understand and learn? Probably, like, recovering. Like, jumping and re- managing that. Okay. Uh, I want to say mostly to be different because I kind of think that recovery is probably at least like a little bit difficult to get your head around. Mm-hmm. I feel like inputting moves at different levels of intensity is probably a, a difficult Charging one. Charging moves. I, I met somebody who didn't know, like I had to teach them that smash attacks were a thing in the game. I yes. didn't know that yeah, you could like, do that. Dodging maybe as well. Like I, that, I feel like that's even like a, a level yeah. advanced above. <laughs> it's like, just like playing. I feel like dodging was even in the sixty four version. I never knew it was a thing, and we mm. played brawl for like a little while, and I didn't know dodging was a thing. <laughs> I, which I used to just jump around mm-hmm. a lot yeah. to avoid getting hit. But anyway, you're really close. That was that's like a, a number two, and what she expressed was that was the distinct between smashing the stick and tilting the stick for various moves and attack but her number one thing she hated items immediately uh because from her perspective there were so many items and items within items because of the randomness it it involved in like things like pokeballs well to this day i fucking hate the fact that like party balls and and crates both like not could contain a random assortment items 
or just fucking explode. Yeah. Uh, also, and like I've been playing Smash Brothers for, as you mentioned, like a thousand yeah. or more hours. It does yeah. seem a little dumb that they can just be filled with bombs yeah. and explode before they've even opened. <laughs> All right, but. It wasn't even necessarily like that's something we'd talk about, right? Yeah. From yeah. Hershey was just like, what does any of this do? Like it was complexity in terms yeah. of like analysis. I don't paralysis. know how I didn't think of items. Yeah, but the, I didn't think of it either. I think it, the reason is because items have been like fighters, kind of growing over time. Yeah. We've always had our prior like dozens and dozens of hours experience in the prior game to kind of front load what all of these various items do, and they just kept building on top of it afterwards. Also, we have to address, at least to some extent, the like uh, amount that items have been like babified in the community, where they're like, oh, the only people who play with items on are like fucking children and idiots. And it's like... <laughs> that's, that's splintering not fan base. Yeah, because it's, obviously it's not true. It's an oversimplification of it. It's just like, you turn items on when you're playing with more... Basically, for me, you turn items on when you're playing with more than two people. Agreed. Because like, it's just... It's, it's like the ultimate evening of the playing field mm -hmm. but like you can't apply that mindset to somebody who's learning the game because it just becomes like a reign of chaos yeah <laughs> a cool feature would be to introduce like item sets like as they appeared in the different games mm -hmm. it's like let's turn on just the items that were in the original game right yeah. let's turn on all the ones that were in melee let's turn the brawl ones on yeah it was that would be neat agreed it was like such a learning experience for me immediately because after that point, I was like, oh, I have to teach you what items to do. It was hard for me to do that because items appear and disappear so quickly that I just physically didn't have enough time to explain them. Right. You'd uh, have to go into like the training mode. You can spawn yeah. individual items. Yeah, in I'd have to go into the training mode and spend like two fucking hours <laughs> spawning every item individually and giving a one minute explanation of what it does. Yep. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Everyone, it was just so weird to me that I wanted to bring it up and record it somewhere on the, on the cast because you think immediately, like, oh, items, it's like, a, it's like a casual thing to make casual players more fun. Turns out, when you're the casual of the casual, items are, like, annoying. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're shocking, they explode out of nowhere. If you just if you just have bad eyesight, items suck. Because you're like, I don't know what that is coming at me. Okay, it could be a horrible death machine. It could be a smoke ball. <laughs> don't know. I love the smoke ball. Fuck the smoke ball. Anyway. Stand on the smoke ball. <laughs> indifferent i think it's weird that people hate it i know dan also just yeah like smoke ball that's weird to me like what is there to really hate about it obscures it? things i don't oh, like that you you and your eyes you and your Those special eyes, eyes. <laughs> like dolls eyes yeah <laughs> but yeah it's just like a non thing to me i don't really have any feelings on it sure do we want to uh specify any more characters to call out because i like the idea that we just talk about simon Belmont and then end uh, it. i mean <laughs> i i feel like smash 4 brought a lot of good third party additions to the roster and i feel like this one brought a lot of good first party additions yep. uh you already hit on k rule and ridley which were the big ones literally were, and like from like a fan perspective it seemed like baffling that they weren't already in right. i'm sure there were plenty of good reasons why before but like it feels great to have k rule and ridley in there mm. Uh, I'm I'm happy to see Daisy, and despite your protest, I'm actually happy to see Crom in because like he's a character people actually fucking liked from Awakening, <laughs> and like they were like, what about the main character who's not a character? <laughs> okay, okay, I I have to admit this. I also like Robin though, but I'm I'm biased toward Smash Brothers. <laughs> after after these years, 
I have changed my opinion on Robin. I used to think, especially at announcement, that Robin's inclusion was fucking ridiculous and was like ex- including like the Dragonborn guy. Not Dragonborn. Oh, guy. Skyrim Man. Skyrim Man. Yeah. Was it like throwing Skyrim <laughs> Man into Skyrim Smash Brothers? It was like, this is not a thing. You can't. Robin is, and I've got to eat crow on this one. Robin is not designed to be Robin, the main character from Fire Emblem Awakening. Robin is just, they had to pick a name and they have literally no names to pick from to represent the tactician guy in like half the Fire Emblem games. He is a representation of the base mechanics of Fire Emblem in a way that no other character that's been in Smash is. Right. Uh, and I have come to appreciate that. I think they iterate on it really well. I thought they did rep- weapon degradarity just great with him, especially in Ultimate where we have physical physical meters on screen now you know yeah. to look for flashing um so yeah if i had to like do my great fire emblem reaping reaping that i really wish that i could do <laughs> robin would stay big big props to robin i guess <laughs> yeah uh i don't remember where we were before all that talking about characters yeah, yeah. i had said uh k Roll, ridley mm. all that uh, i'm trying to think of something I like some of the like changes they've made to existing characters. Uh, I like the remote bombs on Link. I like the Arts Wheel on Shulk. There's a lot of little tweaks. Arts Wheel on Shulk pushes Shulk from like being a character who is limited by some aspects of his kit and like could potentially be good but has weird f- to... Sorry, I, I'll take I'll, I'll bleep out where I said <laughs> Thank <"Bram> you. <laughs> to they brought him from that to now Shulk is like the character that I feel like in my head could be like the most over centralizing broken super great Super Smash Brothers character ever in the history of the world <laughs> if it was being played by a robot like someone who could like just perfectly input the Monado art changes at the right time yep. yeah. to like maximize every action mm. yeah no, I, as the resident Xenoblade fan mm. here I was really disappointed with uh, him in Smash 4 like I just could not play him at all but he, I feel like he's actually playable this time i like to play shulk definitely i can't think of a single change to a character mechanic that i didn't like and that i think is a huge compliment when you have like 74 characters well i mean i'm sure that if i read off to you a list of character changes that you probably would be totally unaware of between the games you might be able to find something you didn't like yeah shocking i'm not talking about beep. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i'm i'm looking forward to the dlc fighters same i hope every single fucking one of them is a piranha plant level like out of left field <laughs> nonsense character I, I want everything. I want chairs. I want just like <laughs> background what? objects. There I was want... like a, a, a good parody article that came out recently that said that the next character that was going to be announced was Wii Balance Board. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's well, what we want. They said um, at the Game Awards that like Joker was emblematic of their future choices. Fucking good. So I don't know if that means 
stuff you wouldn't expect or third party characters. Right. So or both. You know, like so I don't know if we're gonna see any first party <laughs> stuff. Third, third party characters you wouldn't expect as both right. is insane. Like all right, number one, Frown Plan, number two, Joker, number three, Mr. Mosquito, number <laughs> four <laughs> Yeah, it just it the, the possibility space seems like just like it could be anything, which yes. is exciting. Yeah. Yes it is. Character fighting. Good shit. <laughs> Do, yeah, uh, yes yes yeah given the the length that we've got apparently this is just the new thing where we go real long on on episodes it's smash brothers ultimate i know we, yeah this is like the most hyped up i've been for yes. a game in like forever yeah, it, yeah. that this wasn't is... canceled later yeah <laughs> yeah we we should yeah rest r.i.p r.i.p yeah. but uh Silent we this is what we're talking about if you're not like a long time listener <laughs> we should have introduced this episode as no clip ultimate <laughs> oh yeah this is no clip we, we go still for three hours can. like we can oh we could re-record the intro we can do anything we want andy but this we should probably wrap up that episode yeah so do we do we have final thoughts I can go if you want to think about yeah, it. Yeah, go, you go. Yeah. I was very excited for Super Smash Brothers coming in, and I think that I was actually initially a little bit disappointed because I jumped into World of Light immediately and was hit with just, like, a bazillion things to do. And I feel like if I had just, like, sat down with a buddy and just, like, played a couple of casual matches, I would get sort of, like, amped up again. But now that that's over... And I did enjoy my time with it. I'm just like, I'm very much enjoying just the base mechanical experience of Smash Ultimate. And I feel like it's really lived up to what I thought it was going to be. I feel like there are certain elements of the games that may have been like overtuned or undertuned in a way that makes character matchups weird. But that's such a very specific thing to what is ultimately, get it, uh, <laughs> a really successful iteration on smash brothers and probably mechanically my favorite one if if you want to get into what we've intentionally avoided but if you want to talk to me about like you know the lag on directional air dodging and uh the different like frame changes why they nerfed bayonetta into the ground instead of just making her a playable character uh, you just directly address me and put a comment or something, and I'll happily engage in the discourse. Uh, but that's not what this was about. Okay. Smash Ultimate, I think, is a technical accomplishment on par with, like, No Man's Sky. And it's not going to get as much recognition recognition for that i think as it should because it's an iterative process because it's a, a game that's been growing for so many years of our lives and has become so familiar to us but seeing how much they have kept stepping up their game and like genuinely improving the design iteration on iteration in a way that i don't think is comparable to pretty much any other series that i'm aware of is something that i like cannot let off without mention like this game is fantastic it is genuinely incredible the amount of stuff that they have done well here and that's not even considering the amount of stuff they did at all because <laughs> they did a lot and it shows and i'll probably play it until they make a better one somehow yeah i i would agree i think sakurai and his team deserve like a lifetime achievement award or, or like they've definitely earned their place in valhalla oh, yeah. um <laughs> But as the casually McCasual guy, 
Uh, I've found each version of Smash Brothers to be better than the last one, and this is no exception. I really uh, appreciate the return of an adventure mode, uh, even if it's a little bit flawed, as we discussed earlier. But um, yeah, I just overall can't complain at all. Uh, it's delivered on every level that I could have hoped for. Yeah. I uh, do want to, like, just as a final question, something to think about in the future if you're anticipating Super Smash Brothers Ultimate 2 mm-hmm. or whatever the next thing is. Do we feel like they've painted themselves into a corner that they can no longer let any characters drop in between installments? Yes. Because I really, I think they have, and I really hope that that isn't true. Like, I hope that if the next game comes out and they're like, we didn't include Bowser Jr., I'm sorry. Like, there's some for some reason, we couldn't do yeah. it. I feel like since they've dropped characters in the past and now have now brought them back, like, it sets that expectation that, like, if a character goes away, people are going to be real mad about it, mm-hmm. and they're going to expect it to come back, and I think Daniel's here. All right. Yes. Do I just, like, let him in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let, let him... Hello? Hey, can you let us in? Yeah, hold on. Yeah, I hope that that picked up on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do we end it now? What do we do? Well, I'm going to have Dan come in, and then we'll end it with Dan. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know, I don't know. Uh, is the mic still on? Yeah, it is. They're You're all three. Seen. All right. <laughs> all right, new JJ. <laughs> a, ch- a new challenger has appeared, right? Get it? Because of Smash Brothers? What would my special attacks be? Uh, it's the one where you end the podcast. Tell them it says. <laughs> tell everybody thank you for listening to No Clip this week. Uh, thanks for listening to No Clip this week. Okay. What are we talking about next time? Next time we'll you be talking. Be everybody, you can replace <laughs> you should, that's, that's my fine. special ability. Uh, <laughs> to just do the entire thing. And the podcast requires more than one person. So, tr- do you I'm, know what the? It's triple finish. He's all yeah, three of I'm us. Yeah, I'm trying to try. It's like a try. The Pokemon trainer try attack. Yeah. Do you know what the next game is? Uh, next time we'll be talking about Time Splitter's future perfect. <laughs> Damn it! Uh-huh. I knew we shouldn't let Dan do the end of the podcast. Uh, what is okay? Hold on. Next, time, I do know what we're doing. Thanks for listening. You can do no, do the outro. I, I really want Dan to do the outro. I like, just really did it. God damn! You have to respond to him. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? All right, so next time we're going to be doing the no, the first and only annual No Clip Awards. Time Splitters Future Perfect. And we're also <laughs> going to be talking about Time Splitters Future. We're not talking about Time Splitters. You are. You did best games of 2016. Yeah, but this, this is, is like different. a different. It's like an award show thing. Oh, okay. It's like the different I changed, categories. I changed the like end of or the end of year thing every year. And this is what we settled on for this year. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, you can get a hold of us at noclippodcast.com. Or splattershot.pro. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, on our Twitter account, at noclippodcast. Or on Gmail, at noclippodcast at gmail.com. Yep. All of that is true. Give we're us so, a five. <laughs> we're so professional. <laughs> Give us a five star review on iTunes for how professional we are. And smash brothers that like button. Ah! 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 Ah!